Stand Firm Ministries, Biblical Truth, taught by Dr. Shane Perez. So today we're going to talk about how challenges come with obedience. I feel like the church paints a picture that when somebody becomes a Christian, then their life is good from then on. And you've heard it many times, many people will give their testimony. And now that their testimony is not true or accurate, and, and to some extent that does happen, but so many times when we give our testimony, we leave out a lot of um, negative details after we become a Christian. And so we paint the picture that uh, once we become a Christian, then life is good and life is perfect, and maybe this is even one reason why you need to be a Christian. But one thing about it is that challenges come with the obedient. obedience. Just because you are obedient to God doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. We were never promised that. And if we're focused on God's word and read and meditate and study God's word, we see that throughout scripture. Take for example, the 12 disciples. They faced challenges in spite of being obedient. But when you think of the 12 disciples, most of your thoughts of them are, are pretty positive and all the great and wonderful things they did. After uh, Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples went around and spread uh, the message of Jesus Christ and started churches here, started churches there. They even healed people and uh, performed many miracles. And those are some of the things we remember. The Bible lists the names of the 12 disciples in Matthew 10, Mark 3, and Luke 6. However, the New Testament only records two of the apostles' death. That is Judas Iscariot and James' son of Zebedee. But most of what we know about the disciples and how their life ended, we have derived from Christian authors and Christian tradition. Well, my point is, and the point I'm trying to make here, is that the 12 disciples, even though they were obedient to God, listen how their lives ended. Simon, who is called Peter, a second century text called Acts of Peter claimed that Peter was crucified upside down. At his request, he didn't feel worthy to die as Jesus did. The belief is that uh, Peter was murdered in Rome by Emperor Nero about 64 AD after the great fire of Rome. Andrew, this apostle, was martyred by crucifixion in a Greek city about 60 AD. Like his brother Peter, Andrew didn't consider himself worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus, and so he was tied to a cross which was hung in an X shape instead of a T shape. James, son of Zebedee, we read about his death in the book of Acts. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church and tended to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. King Herod wanted to please the Jews by killing him, and scholars generally believed he was killed in Jerusalem about 44 A.D. 
A Christian writer tells us about John, the brother of James, son of Zebedee, in the second and third centuries, recorded that before the Romans exiled John, they brought him into a Colosseum and immersed him in a barrel of burning oil. When he emerged unharmed, the entire Colosseum converted to Christianity. But later, during a Roman emperor's persecution in the middle 90s, he was exiled to the island of Patmos. There he died a natural death as an old man. Philip, we have an historical document that gives an account of his martyrdom. It records that he led a proconsul's wife to the Lord, and in revenge, the proconsul killed him. Fox's Book of Martyrs tells us about Bartholomew that um, in India he was at a a um, he was at length cruelly beaten and then crucified by impatient idolaters. Thomas might have died in India as well, where he was stabbed with spears. Matthew, the tax collector in Fox's Book of Martyrs, tells us that um, when he was in Ethiopia, he suffered martyrdom about A.D. 60. And I could tell you about the last four, but hopefully you're getting the point by now. Jesus' 12 disciples, men that were obedient to God, even after Jesus ascended into heaven, they just went everywhere, planting churches, doing miracles. They were doing what God wanted them to do. But they experienced very challenging lives to the point where almost all of them were more or less tortured and murdered at the hands of their enemies. Today, I really want to look at Mary and Joseph. They were both obedient to God. Remember last week we talked about Mary and her comment was, I am your servant, is what she said to God. Well, Joseph in uh, Matthew chapter 1 verse 24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. For Joseph had an encounter with God too, and he as well was obedient. So here you have Mary and Joseph who were obedient to God. Not only were they obedient to God, but they were obedient in probably one of the most important tasks ever to face any individuals here on earth. And that is bringing Jesus into the world. If you would turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 7. Even though Mary and Joseph were obedient to God, they still had challenges in their life. You would have thought that God would have protected Joseph and Mary and to some extent he did but it seems like also he would have just provided everything for them here they were with his extremely special task and we know God is able to do anything he can control the weather he can control other people he just he's in charge of everything so he could have made sure that their lives were good any issues that they had God could have taken care of them Let's look at 
Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Remember, they're obeying God. So Joseph, who also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, you know that story. You know that part of the story. That's why when we celebrate Jesus this time of the year, we usually see nativity scenes everywhere. We know that Jesus was born in a manger. We know that there was no room for him in a comfortable inn. The question is, why is that? Why would not God, if, if Mary's doing this extremely important task for God, her and Joseph both are being obedient to God, yet still they're struggling even to more or less get a hotel room. And we think, well, that's in the scope of life. It may not be that big a deal. But uh, show this little video. I think it might have been a little bit bigger deal than what we think. Bethlehem. We're here. We will find a place. I promise. What do we do? Is there a place for my wife and me to stay? I'm sorry. There is no room here. how that went down but it could have been something very similar to that where you had uh, Joseph pretty stressed out he was having um, he had quite the challenge for him but you know when you look at the story of Mary and Joseph there were other challenges that they faced which was I would say a little bit more extreme and even more challenging When the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. 
Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother by night, and withdrew to Egypt, where he stayed there until the death of Herod. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod saw that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was filled with rage. Sending orders, he put to death all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, according to the time he had learned from the Magi. So I'm sure Joseph was pretty stressed out and trying to find a place for, for Mary to give birth, but even after Jesus' birth, they faced some challenges. Now it wasn't as basic as finding a place to bring a baby into the world, but now they were concerned for their very lives, their lives and the life of their baby. It's pretty intense. You got to understand, imagine in our day and age where you lived in the country and the leader of that country was after you to kill your child. What kind of fear would consume you? What would that be like? How paranoid would you be? And so Joseph gets up in the middle of the night and, and heads out. And then later on, he hears what happened to all the children that were in the city. And he really realizes that Herod was not playing around. He killed many, many innocent children looking for Jesus. And I imagine uh, Mary and Joseph probably thought there's no way that anybody needs to find out where they live. Maybe Herod would send somebody. Maybe he would even send his own military out to get them. I'm sure they were living with fear and, and paranoid and looking around every corner and wondering every knock on the door, who is it? Is it soldiers coming from Herod? And we see that God, of course, protected Jesus. But did Mary and Joseph know exactly how it was going to go down? So they had the fear, the anxiety, the stress, the pressure. Worrying about their baby. The thing I want you to understand is challenges come with obedience. The disciples had challenges. Mary and Joseph had challenges. We should expect challenges as well. I feel like we're breeding a lot of wimpy Christians. Yeah, we can convince them, maybe a lot of them while they're young, to ask Jesus to come into their heart and be baptized. But then as they're living life and they face challenges and difficulties, they sort of throw up their hands. Well, my life wasn't supposed to be like this. I'm following God. He's supposed to protect me. He's supposed to provide for all of my needs. I'm supposed to be happy. I'm not supposed to have these external issues. I'm not supposed to be having these internal issues. Life is supposed to be good. So you see a lot of people just walking away from Christianity. It's not what I was promised. It's not what I expected. So I'll just walk away from it. 
And even though they may just not walk completely away into another religion, they walk far enough away where they don't have that personal relationship with God anymore. That their obedience ceases. We need to make sure we understand, let's read God's word and understand even the Christmas story and understand that challenges come with obedience. Your life is not supposed to be perfect. Your life may not end perfect. Look at the disciples. Look how they ended. It wasn't pretty. It was painful. It was torturous. But yet, they were still obedient. I think one of our issues is we don't expect the challenges when we're obedient to God and our focus gets off of God and gets back on us. Or maybe it never got off of us. Maybe we go into Christianity thinking we want these blessings, we want God to give us all these things, but we never take our attention off of ourselves or a mirror in front of us. When our attention needs to be on God. I don't know if you know who Jordan Peterson is. He's a, uh, he's a, a psychologist, and I was listening to him the other day because somebody brought him up to me. And he said, the more you focus on yourself, the more mental issues you have. You ever thought about that? Because if you're like me, a lot of times I look in the mirror and look at myself and I, I feel like I've got to focus on myself a little more. Well, I've got to figure this out and I've got to figure that out. And why do people do this to me? Why do I do this to other people? And we just keep trying to figure ourselves out and we focus on ourselves. And a lot of times we feel like we've got to get ourselves right before we can get right with God or be obedient to God or do what God would have us to do. One thing I love about the disciples and Mary and Joseph and so many examples of believers throughout history is that we have examples of people that just sell out to God completely and they stay sold out. They decide, I'm going to be obedient to God it doesn't matter how I mess up. It doesn't matter what other people do to me. It doesn't matter what I lose, what I miss out on. None of that matters because my attention is on God. It's funny, I don't know Mary and Joseph, what kind of conversations they had with God during these struggles. But I'm sure they had many times where they were looking to God and asking why. Why don't we have to live paranoid all the time worrying about this baby that you gave to us? And I don't know if they ever said that or not. But regardless of what they said, they were still obedient to God. Didn't matter what they thought. Didn't matter what they said. Their actions, they were still obedient to God because I believe their focus was on God and what He would have them to do. I think our focus needs to be on God. And the question is, what would God have us to do? And you've got to remember, God will allow challenging things to happen in our life. 
And he's got a variety of reasons for it, and, and I can explain to you why every bad thing has happened in your life. I don't even understand why the bad things that have happened in my life have happened in my life, but I know God is in control, and I know he's got everything in his hands. And in most cases, I know my own personal testimony, uh, number one, God allows, has allowed bad things to happen in my life to make me a better person. Almost like a parent disciplining their child. Sometimes it's discipline or sometimes it just is educating. Like when you go into the military. Isn't that a little odd how they, they're pretty strict in the military and they, they treat you pretty rough. But what they do is they, they, they get you in shape mentally, physically, emotionally. They make you tough. They make you strong. And to do that, they know that treating you like a spoiled brat doesn't work. So they're hard on you. They're strict on you. You learn discipline. You learn self-control. And I think many times in my life, I look at it, why have I experienced hard times? Some of it I feel like I brought on myself. Other, I feel like God is using it to make me a better person. Other times I think about it, especially as I get older and have more experiences with, with other people and younger people, I see that God has allowed me to go through challenging times for other people. I had my struggles and issues and, and made it through and have a, maybe a different and maybe a little bit mature perspective on it. And then God would bring some young, young person in my life who may be going through something similar. I can relate. I know what you were thinking. I know what I thought. Let me guide you a little bit through my experience. So sometimes God allows us to go through challenging times to help others. And then there's some things I think that many times are just so bad, I don't understand why God allowed it to happen. But he might be doing it for his glory in some way, shape, or form. But really the bottom line is we need to come to that understanding and then we just need to get our mirror and just throw it away. Quit looking at ourselves and quit worrying about ourselves so much. And just keep our eyes on God. Raising wimpy Christians. How many times have you been offended by other Christians? And when you're explaining to somebody what you're mad about or what you're upset, upset about, use the word I a lot or me. Well, they did that to me. They said that about me. Well, my feelings were hurt. Well, I thought they should act differently than that. It's all about us. Let's get our eyes off of ourselves and focus on God. Let our challenging times that we encounter be because of our obedience to God and let God use those challenging times to bring us closer to Him. Imagine Mary and Joseph as they were living in fear for their child. There probably wasn't a day that went by that they wasn't praying to God. 
God, protect us today. Protect our child today. We are yours. This is your plan. We're obedient to you. And we're just going to give it to you. Trust in God. I'm going to play a reflection song. Some of the lyrics are, You are my hiding place. I will trust in you. We trust a lot of things today. Some of us still trust the government. Some of us still trust the news media. Some kids still trust their parents. A lot of us still trust ourselves. But the person that we're not trusting is God. Seek God. Ask God what He wants you to do. Be obedient to God and understand that He's in control of it. Don't walk into obedience thinking, well, I need to get blessed since I'm doing this for God. You just obey God and live at peace. Have internal joy that only God can give and let the chips fall where they may. God's got a plan. It's not your plan. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. But to accomplish His plan, we must trust Him and be obedient to Him. And when we're obedient and start facing challenges, embrace the challenges. And don't let those challenges distance us from God. If you're not completely trusting in God, which most of us aren't, Think about areas where you're not trusting. Let God work in your heart. He will convict you. He will guide you. And he will direct you. But you've got to be willing. Be willing and God will speak to you. Let God speak to you. I believe trusting in God can be a very scary thing. Because you understand it's out of your hands. And you're trusting God to take care of stuff. But I encourage you, and, and I know as you examine your life, it's hard to tell, well, I think I'm obedient to God. I, I think I'm obeying. And I know it's, it's hard to really tell where am I messing up in life or maybe what am I not doing that I should be doing. Well, think about it. You spend time with God and you ask Him, I promise you He will tell you. And if He starts telling you some crazy stuff, it's probably from God. Read God's word. Tells people to do crazy things. But God will assess where you're at and he will guide you. And what we need to do is just understand to grow and learn to trust God. Give him a little bit. Okay, God, I'm going to step out. I know in my life I always feel like, oh, God, okay, I'm going to step out. I'm still going to hold on. Make sure I don't fall. Then I put my other step out and I'm still holding on. And not until I'm pretty sure I'm stable, then I'll, I'll let go, but then I'll do the same for the next step. But, but God will even honor that. But what he has a hard time honoring is when we just keep holding on to our thoughts and our understanding and not stepping out in obedience to God.
help me remember when I 